Hi, welcome. Hello. Hello. Hi, Janet. <laughs> happy Monday. The happy Mondays. Remember the happy Mondays? I want you to say what you were just saying to me before we hit re- the record button. Okay, I was saying that my Wi-Fi is acting like a bouquet of buttholes. <laughs> so, but then I didn't know if you knew the where that came from. It rings a distant bell, but I would like you to tell me again, okay. please. One time, we had, so at the house that we owned, that I raised my kids in, mm-hmm. we had a spiral staircase, and you could hear them pl- playing upstairs, and you could always kind of hear what they were up to. And one day they were playing a, they were probably like five and six or so, and I think their cousin Eric was there, and they were playing some kind of a game show. And Lucas was the game show host, (laughs) and he was like, it was like maybe a trivia game show or something, and he would be like, that's right, you got that question right. Your prize is a box full of middle fingers. (laughs) (laughs) That was one prize. And then the second prize was, you win a bouquet of buttholes. (laughs) And I just have always loved it. (laughs) Just little tiny kids saying this stuff. Yeah, so yeah. great. It was very funny. I've been saying it ever since. I know. I feel like I have heard the term before, and I may have heard that story before, but I I would I appreciate really hearing classic. it again. Yeah. The reason why I was late to the podcast today is because I dropped my tarot cards all over the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to pick them up and keep them in the right order. So that's why I was tardy. So you're just doing some black magic over there? Well, I'm studying the Jungian archetypes as told through the deck of Major Arcana in the tarot. So so paranormal activity. (laughs) It's not ghosts. It's a cardboard card. It's not a ghost. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. One time I was dating a guy. He was my boyfriend, probably, at the time. And... We went to his parents for something, and he is adopted, and his parents were significantly old. At the time I met them, they were significantly old when they adopted him, and then they were very, quite extremely significantly old when I met them. And they were extremely religious people. I don't know what what you call I don't know what kind they were. I don't know that much about the different factions of religions, but I don't know what flavor they were. And... We were sitting there at the dinner table eating with his parents, and I said something about, I made some astrology reference, and he just, like, froze, and deer in the headlights, and just, like, gives me the signal, like, do not, I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know that. I mean, you think if there's anything that critical, they would give you some forewarning. I think he just assumed that everybody knows this, and maybe everyone except me does. I don't know. I'm not sure, but that was my introduction into uber-religious people don't like anything that's... Astrology. Astrology or other world... Yeah. Uh, Of the devil, you mean? They don't like stuff that's of the devil. Yeah, they don't like the satanic workshops that I'm doing, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like them. I respect and love so many religious people, and... I want to be open-minded and loving towards all of humanity, but I struggle, you know, I struggle a bit here and there. As does everyone. Yeah. As does everyone. Yeah. Well, I just come to you hot and fresh out of therapy. 
Oh, how'd that go? What happened? 40, 40 minutes out of therapy. What happened in there? Well, we did a shamanic journey. Oh. Which is so fun to say that I do that in therapy and that <laughs> yeah, we send a what? bill to insurance for that. Mm-hmm. It's really great to me. Why don't you explain to us... What a shamanic journey is. What's the process you guys use in your sessions? Yeah, like what's the modality that happens for you two? Okay, well, I'll tell you the story of my therapist. I don't don't think I've told this story. Maybe Mm -mm, I don't think so either, no. So I started seeing her because I was walking around in the world feeling like I was about to be pushed off a building. Mm -hmm. And I was dating a dude that was a very nice person and... (laughs) It was Uh right around Christmas time, and I was Christmas shopping, and I, like, I mean, it sounds extreme, but I basically blacked out in a dissociation. Mm. There was something about Christmas shopping that just, like, flipped my lid. Sure. And I got home. I drove home, and I didn't remember driving home. Mm. And I was talking to my friend about it, and he said, some of these words that you're using and symptoms that you're describing make me think that you have some kind of trauma, PTSD, which would make sense given your history, and I think you should go to trauma therapy. Wow. And I broke up with the dude immediately, no, like, no explanation, just bounced, like, couldn't I think that was the year or maybe the year after was like I went to Christmas and got in a huge shouting match with my mother within the first half hour of me being there. Like I I was just not doing very well. And so it was, I don't know, what was that probably like a year after Jeremy had died. And I just was jangled all the time, just walking around jangled. And I started working with this therapist and we did EMDR on some specific events and how did you find her, though? Did that person refer I you? I Googled or? her. Nope, oh. I Googled her. Just Randomly. Googled, like, trauma therapy? Yeah, oh. I wanted her to, I wanted someone that knew PTSD, EMDR, and lifespan integration, because that's what my friend told me that I should look for. Mm. So I just Googled, and she was close by. She has an office that's, like, up on Lake City Way, like, right by the reservoir there. Mm-hmm. So I just looked for someone who was kind of close. I just picked her. Back in those days. Yeah, back in those days. We yeah, pre-COVID. Do appointments could, in real life, yeah. And pre-COVID, you could find a therapist. Nowadays, you can't. Right, um, I know. Yeah, she rejected me, actually. Yeah, yeah, she's rejected quite a few people. Yeah, but somehow I got in, and I started meeting with her, and I, you know, I went into therapy like I went into hypnotism, which is just like, I'm just going to go all the way in. I'm just going to do everything they ask. I'm just going to like fully participate, even if I think it's corny or if it's not going to work. Yeah. So that's what I did in AA even. I did that same thing in AA. I was like, this isn't going to work. It's real corny, but I'm going to do it and to, yeah. to just prove that it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, right. And and I hope that it does, right? I hope, yeah. I hope that it does. So I... We did EMDR on some really specific events, which was a a crazy trip. I think we've talked about it. Yeah. I did lifespan integration, which was also a crazy trip. And then you and I started reading this book about shamanic. I I think that Rachel gave me that we were reading about South American shamanic stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I brought that to her. I was talking about, I brought that to her and she was like, oh, this is probably the time where I tell you that I'm a shamanic practitioner. 
And so, of course, she is. And so I'm like, tight, let's do that. And and she made something very, I mean, I think we talked about it when we talked about drums, that drumming is ancient EMDR. And shamanic journeys are ancient lifespan integration, right? A soul retrieval is a type of lifespan integration, which both of those I had had pretty strong experiences with in therapy. So I was like, yeah, let's do more of that. So now when I go see her, if I don't have anything that's like, oh, in the last couple of weeks, this intense thing happened and I need help metabolizing and processing what happened. If I don't have any of those hot items, then we do, we go on a journey, which is that, and it works over Zoom, which is very cool to me, that we, that she plays a drum. She sits on her side of the Zoom screen and, and does a prayer, bringing in the, the four directions and four powers and, you know, asking, we bring in a question. And today my question was like, what am I, how should I handle the holidays? Like, what's my best strategy for coping, you know, like handling all of this forced family time? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't mean forced when I'm talking about my kids. I love spending time with my kids. It's, I, I'm not, don't need any spiritual help with that. I don't think that goes yeah. pretty easy for me, but spending time with my extended family, my brother's family, not as hard. Like that's like 10% hard. My sister's family, that's like 30% hard. My mother and father, that's like 75% hard. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm going to see them or not, but that was the question I brought in of just like how, what, what's my strategy? And so then we both just like close our eyes and she starts drumming on her drum and she drums for 15 or 20 minutes. And what happened to me this time is, so I've had, I've had like, I have very visual, very like colorful, very, I come back with a lot of information Mm -hmm. and, and really like the way I think of it is just. You know, in mindful meditation, you're supposed to be trying to not think of, you know, trying to like be the witness of your thoughts, right? Trying to distance yourself from your thoughts. And in these ones, you just kind of let your thinking go off leash a little bit. Mm-hmm. And probably because I have ADD, like I'm really good at like that happens pretty easily for me. What happens is it feels like I have this multi-track brain. And one of them is is very much like in the world like oh my butt hurts or uh, what's that noise or you know like something like that and then kind of do my laundry like, yeah yeah one of them is like freaking out about the past or the future right well what do I, what do they think of me at work or when, when am I going to get that meet that deadline or blah, blah 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 and one of them is just like in the drumming like in like is just off leash in I mean, I feel like it's the spiritual plane, mm-hmm. right? It just like let, gets to go explore the spiritual plane and, and it's kind of a hypnosis, kind of a meditation space. And and I often see some of the same things. I, I could draw a map of the area. I know where things are there. I know people, like I know characters that are there and they, well, who they represent to me and they give me downloads and advice and information. And this time I'm, walking along a stream and it's all the colors are very vibrant like it's yellow yellow grass with little like sparkles every time you walk like it's super pretty like the wizard of oz type shit or something yeah and the the stream is like it's like golden hour everything's glowing the stream is like purple 
and I'm walking along and like every time I step all these little bugs or fairies or something fly up like it's this is super beautiful and I'm walking along the stream and the stag that's always there and like walks perpendicular catches up to me we start walking along together and I just follow the stream and it goes into a cave in into a mountain and the deer like leads me to this certain area and it's and I there's like a window in this cave system there's a window and I can see through the window and I see it's this sounds very strange but this is what it was I see all these hooks on the wall Mm -hmm. and like my mom's what I can only describe as like a skin suit is hanging on a hook Hmm. and Underneath the skin suit is, like, the stuff that she's made of. And my dad has a skin suit and the stuff that he's made of and my brother and sister and their her kids and my sister. My whole family has got these skin suits and they're hanging on these hooks. And underneath in, like, a little bowl is, like, this is the stuff that they're made of. <laughs> and uh, the kids are all, like white bright super bright like too bright to look at energy like bugs and springs and cogs and feathers like all like all kinds of bright energy things Mm -hmm. and my the kids are like kind of hurt to look at and my brother and my sister are just kind of like some brightly colored stuff but some more worn down stuff like some old, an old rock or like uh, this is a you know a kind of a crystal but it's kind of dirty and like not too bright to look at but and still really pretty like beautiful stuff and then my mom's is like mulch <gasps> it's like it's just like mulch mm-hmm. like there isn't anything sparkly about it anymore and like the what I got what the download for me is just like first of all it is a skin suit that they're that they are presenting as right Mm -hmm. like first of all that is the costume that they're wearing on this round of life right like that's who they that's the part that they're playing in accordance to me right but it's not necessarily their essence their their energy but also like this is the stuff that they have this is what's the what is they are composed of and none of that is owned by me or made by me or my fault or my debt Mm -hmm. you know none of that's my responsibility none of that's mine to fix none of it's mine to worry about but it's a lesson that i often get from the guide sort of is that like I think people are kind of my responsibility to change Mm, my family my family people right the alligator right it's not your karmic debt right like uh I often think like this is like I have a duty to do what I can and and like also I I mean it used to be that I was my fault that they had such a difficult time so I mean, the, my mom is not filled with mulch. I know, like, there is more to my mom than mulch. I know that. But it was, like, important lesson for me to see of just, like, 
This is a person that's been on the planet for 85 years or something and is not likely going to change. Well, and also not only just like my responsibility to change them or take care of them, but it's not my responsibility to change how they feel about me. No. Mm-hmm. Or how I think they feel about me no. or all of that shit, right. too. Because and what the, what the internals seemed like, it was about potential, mm. right? These kids have all this potential energy, right? Like, they're filled with ideas and life and, you know, willingness and all of those kind of, like, young attributes, right? Like, courage and, and my mom's is kind of exhausted. And so, like, how... How do I want to be for that person? Do I want to be like, why aren't you different? Or just like, I get it, man. You're you're mulched out. Like this time through, <laughs> been like, overly mulched. Yeah, yeah. This time through the world, like in this skin suit, like this is what you have to bring, and that that's a factor. It certainly changes the expectation or releases yeah, that, all. I expectation. mean, the lesson is there is nothing to do. There's nothing right. to do. Right? Yeah, right? There's nothing yeah. to do. I think there's got to be like an inventory I can write or uh, like a prayer or like a, like a task or like a statement, right? I got to right. put out a press statement or something like this is my position on holidays <laughs> yeah, today, yeah. right? Like I don't, there's nothing to do. There, the thing to do is just like to the people who are influenceable, like influence, right? Like have, have Christmas be fun for the people who still can ha- have potential to change or to, yeah. to have joy. Right. And don't worry about the people who are mochi because what can you do? <laughs> oh, no. I know that's good. That's our new word. I know we're going to be using that as a <laughs> as a verb. <laughs> yeah. And also kind of what occurred to me when you're describing this is just the the frequency. Like kids are at just such a high frequency of vibration and just like yeah. that brightness yeah, and yeah, that right. light and that energy. And then, you know, part of it's just part of life. As we age, we kind of, you know. Yeah, your frequency kind of goes. The bulb gets a little yeah, dimmer. You right, don't have as yeah. much energy. You're not yeah, doing Yeah, and when those same. energies clash, like, around a Christmas dinner, mm-hmm. right? Like, they have a hard time syncopating, right? Like, that's a hard bridge to cross. Yeah, like the old people get real irritated with little kids. I mean, they're ready for it to be over as soon as it starts. As soon as they walk in the door. When are we leaving? I'm ready to go. Yeah. The last bite of food. I got to go. It's when are we leaving? Yeah. Yeah. My mom will be sitting by the door with her purse on her lap. Yeah. My mom does too. And just like irritated with little kids that are being kids. And yeah, it's wild. I hope I'm not super hardcore like that when I'm old. I have a feeling I will be, but we'll see. I mean, maybe it's inevitable, but also... Like, Partially, yeah. I mean, I don't... My experience of certain people sometimes, like, they've never had that much. Mm-hmm. You know? They've yeah. never, like, had a, like, vitality that was like, wow, we're, we are out in the world doing a lot of stuff, right? Like, Right, just like really. a big life force. Yeah. Well, that was my therapy. There is nothing to do except, like, feel the feelings. She did say that, because she goes on a journey, too, and, like, her messengers come to her and give her advice about me. And one of her messengers told her that I should go on a retreat after the holidays, some kind of relax, relaxing weekend. Oh, we are. I know. And I was like, funny you say, we just planned one for this 
this morning we planned a oh retreat. Gosh. Well, that's a, I love it when that happens. Yeah. I think what I was going to say was when I go through this stuff with my therapist or even writing inventory and I get frustrated that the same person or the same people or the same situations come up for me over and over. And then especially in therapy, like I want to judge it in myself, like, oh God, I'm still talking about this shit. I'm still talking about my parents or I'm still talking about, you know, trying, having expectations that they're going to be different or whatever. And the last couple of times I've said, and I'll say that in therapy, just like, God, this shit's coming up again. Like, and she says, it's coming up for healing. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's yeah. good. It keeps coming up because it keeps needing like whatever the wo- the wound isn't healed yet. There's yeah, right. progress has been made, and you're not suffering so well, acutely from it. Well, I mean, you've been it. carrying it around for fifty three years, right? right? Like this stuff is old. This stuff is old, and it's like yeah. so foundational and so deeply rooted and like lower chakra. I mean, like th- this, some wounds might never heal. Right, but right. it comes about like I don't know, like if you're in a burn unit, you got to change your bandage every day, right? Eventually, over time, it gets better, but you got to do it every day. It's not just like, oh, I did it once. Are we good? Right, right. Like, exactly. It's not going to be like that. Right, exactly. And it's also like there's still that doesn't mean there. I mean, there's there's relief along the way, in, incremental relief or enough relief that it's not eating my lunch every day, and it's not. And it's not driving me. It's not, you know, prompting me to react in a way that I don't want to react or something like that. But I saw my mom yesterday and we were talking about the Beatles thing. And she watched the first part of it over at Craig's. And I said, every time we've watched it, I always have these feelings of, you know, just like what you and I talk about when we're watching it, like what it must be like for these the these people's families to see this and how it's probably very joyful and very heartbreaking and talking about Yoko and John and George and Paul and Linda's kids and stuff. And my mom said, yeah, well, when I started watching it and I, oh, this, and yesterday I said something about how devas- how wild and devastating it must have been for all of them when John was murdered, of course, very obvious thing to say. And my mom said, yeah, when I started watching the documentary, I was just like bracing myself for when he gets killed. I go, what? Wait, no, I'm talking about the this new documentary by Peter Jackson. She goes, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And I go, mom, it was filmed in 1969. They were like 25 <laughs> years old. He's not get killed in like, the documentary. <laughs> I go, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you saying? And she goes, well, I didn't know. I didn't know what, what it was about. And I go, well, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I go, okay, well. All is well. All right. Let's just okay. move on. <laughs> but right. like, my, yeah, my, I mean, my initial thing is just like, what planet are you on? Yeah. What is, yeah. What, what are you thinking? Yeah. And I mean, she was always just such a huge Beatle fan my whole life that I I thought that she would really have stronger feelings or really love it or have more insight or something. And it seemed like she just was not on on the same planet as everyone. I mean, I knew about this stupid thing like two years before it fucking came out. Like you couldn't not know what it was. It's right. It was just a whatever. But yeah, a little judgy. You know, I like to judge a little here and there. <laughs> but God bless her. Yeah. There was, you know, when I was just unloading the dishwasher just now before this, I was thinking about 
the thing that came up for me in therapy the last time I had therapy, and I think I told you this, I think it was last week, and it came up that I have a really deep distrust for men. And so since then, I've been thinking about the men in my life that I that I do trust. I don't think I inherently distrust all men individually, but it's no, just like you, tru- this- you distrust the group, and then sometimes people can earn them earn the trust. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what it is because when I think about some specific men, I definitely trust them. It's not like an individual thing, but well, yeah, I mean, but there's different levels of trust, right? Sure, I trust you with sure. my house key is different than yeah. I trust you enough to be vulnerable and be in a deep and right. Yeah, for sure. Meaningful relationship with you. Yeah, definitely. But I think that this stuff, the stuff that comes up for me again, I often have a moment of judgment around it. Of or I have this thing that's like, God, this is so pedestrian. Like this is such a pedestrian thing to believe or think or whatever. And I've for the longest time, well, most of the time, I had been unwilling to admit that I had these very common. Um, <laughs> They're not very fancy. <laughs> no, not fancy at all. <laughs> kind of the yellow mustard of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's it's so. It, but the thing of it is, like when I when I am faced with those things, and I'm w- will in a place where I'm open minded and willing to see it, and someone's you know my sherpa is guiding me through this process. It's so liberating to acknowledge it and to just let go of it and or move on from it and just be like, oh wow, I do have that. I mean, I've gone through this process and on many different levels since I've been. I mean, and even even as far as just like admitting that I've experienced trauma in my life, I was never ever. It never occurred to me that I had ever experienced any trauma. I'm just like, no, that's not what happened to me. Yeah, you're like, I'm not, I don't experience trauma. I give trauma. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, the right. I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm not the victim on the victim triangle. I'm the perpetrator. Perpetrator. But I was walking around the lake a couple of weeks ago with my friend, and, and we were talking about all this stuff about, you know, trauma response and stuff. And she was talking about her husband, and she goes, well, he's never had any trauma in his life. And I was just like, okay, I understand that belief system, but let me just tell you what I've been through around investigating that statement for myself, and here's what I have found. And I have a belief now that every human being experiences trauma. It's maybe not car crash watching your family die trauma or being assaulted or whatever trauma. But, you know, and then we we talked about trauma and she was just like, God, I've never thought of it that way. And I said, me neither. I mean, this is all kind of new information for me, but it's just, it's so freeing and it's, and it's so liberating. I mean, maybe like, maybe our, definitely like we as kids and definitely our parents as kids, like didn't have that paradigm to even think about, right? right? Yeah, like no. It, you didn't talk about it. You didn't think about it. You didn't have it. You well, know, no, and we, you know, and and I didn't think you could have PTSD unless you were in a war, in, right? Yeah, right. And now I know, like when I'm, I was talking to Joe about this last night because we were talking about his, we were talking about riding motorcycles, and he sold his motorcycle because he said that he just doesn't like feel safe and a bunch of stuff like that. So. I said, you know, it's interesting because three years ago I was in a motorcycle accident. I was riding on the back of my boyfriend at the Times motorcycle, and we were riding in L.A. on a busy street on a Saturday night, and and someone pulled out in front of us, and he laid the bike down, and we skidded down the street. 
And I said, even now, three years later, when I'm on my motorcycle and I'm going down a street and someone's on a side street waiting to pull onto the street, I still flinch and I still go way around them and slow down and I make eye contact. And, and your central nervous system is spiked, just right? Jazzed, you become yeah. like on alert, like on guard, ready, like it's already happened or it's mm -hmm. happening again. And if you have enough of those things or you're just kind of walking around that way, like, yeah, I'm just constantly in this high alert state, like, it's a terrible way to live. Like, that is a terrible way to live. And to me, like, I don't recover from those states very quickly. If I get spiked, like, it takes me days sometimes to, like, bring it back down to like okay we're okay there is nothing to be alarmed about or it's it just never gets all the way back down to zero you might get down right. to 50 and then right. something else happens and you pop back up and you might get down to 40 and something else happens and you pop back up like it's hard to just just get rid of it all together yeah. so something like that i mean it it was a minor accident like miraculously in the in the motorcycle accident i was in neither one of us really got hurt which was wild so so as far as motorcycle accidents go it was it was it was very minor but it still caused that much of a response in me to this day yeah i mean in the way i the way i visualize it is that got recorded somewhere. Somewhere in your body, that experience is recorded. And it and it's like whenever you get the right signals, right, car approaching from this way down a hill or whatever, right, like it goes back to that glitch and you respond as if it's happening again. And, you know, the... The accident itself was interesting because it, when it first happened, I thought, oh, he's such a good driver. He By laying the bike down, he saved us from having a collision. And God, how, how lucky that he was able to act so quickly and stuff. And then as time went on and I looked back at it, I thought, well, he was driving too fast in the first place. He was weaving in and out of traffic really erratically, which is how he drives. And... He was driving very dangerously in the first place. It wasn't that he had a quick reaction and he, you know, whatever, saved our lives. He actually caused us to be in that accident. Right, right, and I was right. just like, holy right. shit. Like, that awareness was just like, oh, okay, I don't think I'm going to ride with him anymore. I never got on his bike again after that. Yeah, right. But also, that's the thing about riding a motorcycle. Like, I would m way much rather be driving than be a passenger, of course. And, you know, I'm the driver always anyway. So it was unusual that I was on the back of his bike that particular night but I because my bike was there I just had a headache or something and I was just too lazy to drive and learned learned my lesson I guess yeah yeah I mean that's the thing about motorcycles is the margin of error is so small you know? I know and you know every year like well I, I've said this to you every year probably since I've had my bike like um, I might sell my bike I don't know and then I'm just like ah, oh, maybe next year maybe next year maybe next year I'm old. I'm an old person. I got no business friggin', you know. <laughs> but all I do really, I mean, I ride my bike. I ride it over to Mason's house, which is like five minutes away. Or I'll ride it to like the, an AA meeting, which is seven minutes away or something. Mm -hmm. I just yeah. put around the city on it. I don't do anything very like dangerous or dramatic. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't even really have a plan for the holidays. I have no... No real hard set plans. And this is like the best holiday season I've ever had. I just feel so relaxed and so free. I haven't bought any gifts and I haven't, 
even really thought about what I'm going to do on that day. And what is the date today? It's the freaking 13th. Like, it's, you know, it's coming out. away. Yeah. yeah. It's coming beautiful. Out. Yeah. That's, there are some advantages of, of aging and kind of getting a little bit older and just kind of being able to opt out of stuff and just like, well, maybe I'll go. Maybe I won't. I have some invitations from friends that sound lovely, which I'll probably do some of those and, you know, get to see some people in my family. Maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't even know. I don't know. What else should we, what else, what else you got? What else do we, what else should we cover today? There's so much, so much. Yeah, always. I mean, we can talk about specific shamanic journeys. We could talk about, oh, oh, I mean, the one topic I want us to do either on this episode or another episode is more about red flags. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. That's been that's been just so fun. Ever since we talked about it, I've been seeing a bunch of stuff where I'm like, I should write this down because I'm going to forget it. (laughs) But I don't write it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is such a great idea. But I think we are, well, a group of women that we know are starting a women's meeting. Yeah, we had a small meeting about it last night trying to figure out what the format's going to be and what kind of meeting we want it to be. And that's really exciting, I think, however it turns out is going to be. Yeah, I think it's going to be cool no, no matter what how it yeah. unfolds. It'll be fun. I know that I, you know, a lot of our friends, particularly women in recovery, have been longing for a community of women that is a little bit, it's kind of like AA-based or 12-step-based because we're all in 12-step recovery, but... Just something deeper, something more, something more expansive, something just a, what did Courtney say? Healing circle. Yeah, yeah, a healing circle. What did Courtney call it? A spirit circle or something like that last night? Which I was just like, yeah, let's do that. What's that? I don't know what that is. I want to do that. (laughs) Let's have that. Let's have a bonfire. Let's have a drum. Let's have some sage. Let's have some. Let's get a pointy hat. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> let's burn some stuff and let's get some stuff going. So I think it's going to end up being really neat. I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to end up being a hybrid of a bunch of different stuff and be really I mean, what inc- would be cool is the, the, if we limit it to 12-step, then, then it's for people who consider themselves in recovery from something. And I don't know, maybe it's maybe there are more people that, like, don't, identify as being in recovery that would like to participate exactly that's kind of what i was thinking that's what i was thinking last night too that's why i mean there's lots of people that don't identify as people in recovery that are into that would love it yeah for sure i also think it would be neat if we wanted to this saturday have a group of people over and just do some stuff Saturday since well, our... Well, you know our um, home group is... Canceled. Canceled this weekend, so we could either have a home group potluck, mm. or we could have a meeting of witches. Have some women over and just do the stuff we want to do, talk about the stuff we want to talk about, do a or drumming. Just, yeah, just dr- do drums and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do drums and we can do some, like... Some cards, of, so everybody can pick a card and we can talk, or just something, you know, yeah. just something a do little. Some kind of ceremony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could do I that think... ceremony that we did with the photos of ourselves in the jars. <gasps> oh my gosh. Yeah, that would be fun. Right, we probably have enough jars. That would 
would be really neat. And it's kind of neat going into the new year, too. And then we can maybe have people over on New Year's Eve and do the same thing and just do an intention. I mean, for the, like, I, I don't think we did it last year because of COVID, but for the last, like, five years in a row, I've had a meditation over. Oh, I know. I used to come to it before I lived here. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. It's a nice way to, to start a year. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun to have some women over this Saturday. You know, do just do it early. Do it at like five o'clock and we'll have some snacks and just do a thing and everybody can get home. A lot of our younger friends have kids and stuff. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. We're just planning our life right here live on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, we're just making like, a plan. And then, it's probably fascinating for other people. Oh, <laughs> like, no. What are the old ladies doing? I don't know. Tune into their <laughs> podcast. They'll tell I you. Know. <laughs> I know. It's so funny, though. Last night, Katie said to me, like, she goes, God, I never get to, you know, sit down with you and talk. But I feel like I talk to you all the time because I mm-hmm. listen to your podcast. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, then we don't ever need to talk. We don't yeah. ever need to have a conversation. Just you, you already know what's going on. And then we were hawking um, Julie's perfume at the get-together last night yeah. also. And when I saw her last week, we went and had lunch, and she was like, I feel like I know everything that's going on with you already, so why <laughs> we'll don't you ask me silence. questions? Yeah. yeah, just ask we'll, me questions. We'll just eat in silence, and as you can see, I'm just like... I keep rolling the rollerball onto myself and Is that feeling opal? like it, it doesn't opal? have anything in it. Yeah, but... Just trying to squeak the last drop out of it because I don't have any. <laughs> Put her link in our link tree. It is. Oh, good. It's been in there. It will. Yeah. Be, it will stay in there. If you want to smell like we smell infinitum. like, that's yeah. where you go. If you feel like you can smell us through this <laughs> smell vision, and I put the link in there to the NFT collection, and we can just keep adding links once we start our store, wherever we're going to start it on Etsy or on Big Cartel or wherever we're going to sell our wares. I'll put the link in there too, in the link tree. It's in all the it's in all my social media places. Which I mean, I should try to. Make some moves. I mean, I made a reel today, which that's of, pretty good. You're, you you're basically dog. like a PR person. Oh, you know what <laughs> we could. Worst. You know what we could talk about is what we do for work. Oh my gosh, we were going to do that. We were going to. Yeah. We were going to dedicate a podcast to that. You forgot yeah. to write it down on your paper. <laughs> of course, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't write anything down on this paper. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I talked about it last night a couple times, too. People just asking me, you know, that I hadn't seen for a couple of years, like, what have you been up to? Last time I talked to them, I was taking the interventionist training yeah. and doing some I think sober, we're just so um, entrenched in it that it doesn't sound as fascinating to us as I think that it is. I think we're oh, just it, used oh, to it. Oh, completely is. Yeah, I mean, I, I've given the the link to our, I've given our the, app, the name of our app to a bunch of people that say that it sounds, you know, like a really great tool, which I, I believe, believe it is. Yeah, we ca- I kind of... I'm so used to it, I forget how novel it actually is. I know. So why don't you give the pitch since you've been at WeConnect since the beginning? Nearabouts. Okay. Our co-founder is a person in recovery, and she was released from treatment. She woke up in jail, went to treatment. When she was released from treatment, was given a piece of paper that was her recovery plan, and... Like, basically, like, told good luck. Do your recovery plan. And she went to Starbucks. I think she was going to meet a friend there. And her 
debit card was declined when she was at Starbucks and she started crying and mm. the person behind the counter gave her her coffee for free and I think an additional cake pop. <laughs> the and cake she pop, yeah. like she combined two ideas in that event was which is that this piece of paper recovery plan is not that helpful and that somebody was kind to me and it made me feel more that I was doing the right thing by like trying to participate in my recovery. And she had been at, she had worked at star startups before. So she decided that probably technology could bridge that gap and help, help those things. So version one of the app was you added you basically, like every day, added th added routines, that is a name that we came up with, routines, to be part of your recovery plan. Like today I'm, gonna, I'm planning to go to this meeting. I'm going to meet with my sponsor at 5. I'm going to go to this meeting at 7. I'm going to do some step work at 9 o'clock at night. And as I go through my day, I check those things off. And each doing each one of those things earns me points which could be redeemed for a $5 Starbucks card after you accumulated so many points. That was the basic of V1. And then, so I was here for V1 and when we started building V2, which is this similar idea. And, you know, we learned a lot more about the problem and learned more about like possible solutions. And the problem as it is, is like substance use disorder and recovery plan still being somewhat like a piece of paper some suggestions of what you should do and no real direct personal guidance unless you're lucky enough to be in a long-term treatment program that most people can't afford so we started building a technology solution which turned out there's this there's a school of there's a school of recovery thought that is called contingency management which is and it's mostly so far has been used for people who have crystal meth addictions mm. that because there is no medication assisted treatment for meth right there isn't a substitute drug you can give those to those people so they've had to be more creative about treatments for people who mostly suffer from stimulant abuse and they would award money you would get a chance to like if you if you can bring in a clean UA, you earn a chance to win a gift card. And that seemed to be like a real powerful motivation tool for people who suffered from SUD. So we we have made it much more of a direct machine for awarding right now it's we're soon to release multiple different types of gift cards, but right now it's Amazon gift cards for a person setting up and completing recovery routines so we have a, a system of challenges and if you do x number of support routines and x number of self-care routines in this time period you can award you can win a gift card for 15 dollars or so and so we we started develop you know we built that app and then we've been developing uh, additional features of that so we have Online meetings, which was a new thing that we added during COVID, which was that we, with partners of WeConnect and with WeConnect staff, we offer and facilitate, I don't know, eight meetings a day on average that are 
all recovery, meaning they don't have a specific tie to a recovery pathway. It's 12-step and smart recovery. All Anyone's welcome, sober or not. You don't even need to be sober. You don't even have to want to be sober to, to participate in these meetings. And those are facilitated. We offer those for free through the app. So the app can be downloaded from the App Store. You can join these online meetings. And we also offer, with a paid subscription, peer support, which is people like you on the other end of this chat room. You can be chatting with a peer, which I'll let you talk about what that what's, makes a peer special. And right now in the background, we're trying to sell we're trying to sign contracts with insurance companies. So the insurance company, your insurance company will pay for you to have access to contingency management. So the, the money rewards and contact with a peer support specialist who will help you with your recovery planning. Right now, those are behind a paywall um, unless you have in, an insurance that pays for it, which that we have contracts with several or we're rolling out early i mean we've started it but we're gonna do a big push to employer plans so your employer can offer we connect as a perk of your employment and you can you know have access to peer support and online meetings through the app so it's very private right you don't have to call someone to ask for help you can download the app and get set up that way it's very like there's a lot of you know the the you, being able to join an a support meeting n- numerous times a day from your phone for free, right? That 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 has, I mean, I think everyone at the company is so proud and feels so good about the community that has been built on on that platform in that space. So I've been a part of every decision, basically. As far as the app goes, like I know why and how and when we made every decision that built what it is that's that exists now. And I have a I'm the my role at our company is the director of product. So I get to design the roadmap of what we're gonna build next and and balance that out with what I know our you know sales pipeline looks like and where what our North Star metrics are and where we're trying to be in three to five years. So it doesn't feel like work to me. It feels real easy and it feels like I get to talk about recovery with people that are really smart, that I really like, and we get to try as best we can to build a technology solution for a disease that has killed a lot of my friends. So it feels super purposeful. And I mean, I, I've i said it a hundred times about this job is I can't believe they pay me for it. Because right. I would probably yeah. do it for free, yeah. right? Uh, and yeah, don't, they do. <laughs> Thankfully, they do yeah. pay me. But um, but it, I mean, it is so aligned with my personal purpose that the difference between my work life and my personal life is very shallow. It doesn't feel much different. Isn't that wild? It's, it's wild. So, it's so wild. It's like really being in the fourth dimension. Yeah. And, you know, in this way, the pandemic has served me personally very well because that's the day that we went into shelter in place is the day that I got hired. And it was also happened to be the day I was moving. So all in one day, like a lot of stuff happened to me in March of 2020. Mm -hmm. And I had 
taken... I had taken some interventionist training and I had worked for a company in Seattle who does interventions and then some other supportive services in that realm, sober mentoring and transporting and stuff. I had worked for a company doing some of that stuff for a while, but I was actually working for a dear friend of mine who is a commercial real estate broker and hustling, hustling, hustling. And it was looking like shit was going to go down, you know, it was like January, February, and it was just like, oh, man, shit, something's, something's going to happen. And in that case, I doubt much commercial real estate's going to be moving if we get hit with a, a global pandemic. So the so we connect had thought that they were going to hire that their first hire for a peer support specialist was going to be in California. And so they posted that job. And I think you told me about it. And so I interviewed for it. And then they said, oh, we're actually not ready to hire someone for it yet. And I'm like, all right. And then they thought they would hire some peer support specialists in Washington State. Oh, well, wait, let me backtrack a little bit. I had, at some point, I had been working for a friend of mine who owns a treatment, who owned a treatment center in Renton. And I would work there on Saturdays. And I would just do front desk stuff because they would do like the alcohol class on Saturdays that you have to take if you get a DUI. And my friend who owns that treatment center said, because I knew I didn't want to go to college, I didn't want to be a clinical treatment person. And he said, oh, you should take this peer support certification. You can take it through the state of Washington. I think it's free. So I did. So I got a peer support certification, which actually... Not, not knowing that we were soon going to be offering Oh, peer God, support. no, not at all. Yeah. This was years, a year or two yeah. before. Yeah. But I just thought it would be helpful in my endeavors towards interventionist and being a sober and coach Why not? or so- yeah. sober companion. And yeah, it was really interesting to me. It was a it was a very like non-denominational way to support people in recovery. It was non-12-step based. It was non-pathway based. And I, I loved it. I loved the training and I got that certification. So yeah, a couple of years or whatever before this all happened and maybe a year before. And so I interviewed at WeConnect twice, and they had decided they weren't ready to hire a peer yet. And on that particular day, I was moving, and we were going into lockdown. I got a call from Eli and said, hey, are you available? We started this online meeting community called All Recovery, and we're just, we've just been hosting it internally. And we don't I used really... to be a chat mod. <laughs> yeah. I we was a chat mod. We don't have time. <laughs> yeah. Our staff doesn't have time to host all these meetings like would you be willing to pretty much host meetings all day every day are you available for that and I said heck yes I'm available for that and so I told my friend Ananda that I had gotten this other job and I was so bummed like to I love her I loved working with her but I knew that I had to take the job and she did too she was very gracious and kind she knew and I think you know we all knew we were fucked and that everything was going to get shut down. So I started hosting five meetings a day, roughly each day, hosting or co-hosting meetings. And I just sat in my office all day on these meetings. And then the plan was to hire a whole team of peers, obviously, to serve the members through the app and then also to help host these meetings. And we partner with three other recovery organizations to facilitate the meetings. So it wasn't all on us, but we have a certain chunk we're obligated to host. They have everybody has certain chunks. So I, I started out doing that. And then since we were, are supporting members from anywhere in the country, 
it was suggested that we get a national that all the peers on the team we got up to like 20 i think peers on our team decided the company decided that we should all have our national cert- peer support certification so we all got that certification as well because we're supporting more people than just in the states that we live in so i got that one also i guess last summerish or something and it's been fantastic. I mean, it's totally remote. We're never going back into the office. We gave up our office space, which I had never been to anyway. <laughs> and we just were just a WeConnect household. And it's been fantastic hosting. So now I host about two or three meetings a week. What are those and meetings like? I mean, there are people, you know, I've seen people get, you know, enter into recovery in the lockdown, in like the peak of COVID where no one was going anywhere. And those people are still in recovery. And they, and, you know, we get tons of feedback all the time. And especially now, since the free app has been launched where people can join from the app, we've have tons of participants that are in the meetings that have downloaded the free app. And that's how they found the meetings. And the meetings are full of people that are living life with different, all different types of concerns, whether it's trauma, disordered eating, uh, mental health diagnosis, behavioral health diagnosis, substance use disorder, alcohol use disorder. Like there's people, there's every different type of person in this community. And it really is a real community. I mean, the people, we have a discord chat where people, so the meetings are pretty locked down because we experienced some zoom bombers and stuff occasionally. So the chat's locked in the meetings, but we have a discord chat where participants can go and, and participate with each other and exchange information and chat and what, whatnot. So everybody really gets to know each other and everybody really, they're very deep and meaningful and helpful. And I love, I really enjoy doing them. I mean, it's really changed me so much. It's really changed my heart and really grown my compassion and understanding for people that are dealing with a lot of different stuff than I've ever really dealt with personally. And I just continue to learn and enjoy this community. And it, it really, to me, I just, you know, I've been in 12 step recovery for a long time and I've always kind of taken that community for granted. Like, well, yeah, it's just there and it's just what I do and whatever. But only since I've been doing this have I really realized, like, the critical importance of having community. And you can build it in so many different ways. And the fact that we have built this very cohesive community that really is very real. It's not a pathway and it's not clinical. It's just, like, literally a talk, like a support group. Yeah, right. It's connection. Yeah, it's connection. It's community. People can log into it many, many different times during the day from the comfort of their home or from their phone, anywhere they are. And it's really like bringing this community to people that may not have had access before and maybe are have mobility issues or transportation issues right. or they or, just live yeah, really like rurally or yeah, they fear don't want to... Or they don't want to participate in a pathway, or they do have a pathway, and this is just extra community that's available at your fingertips at all times. So it really has. I'm, I'm really, really proud of of what we've built and the consistency that we've maintained, and the the benefit that people have expressed that they feel from going to these meetings in their own personal lives, and just the amount of people that come is yeah, a lot. It's a lot. It's, Really, a lot of people. Also, like twice a month, we see feedback from them. You know, like any time I can go look at customer usage data, right? I can Mm -hmm. go see how they're using it. And 
the comments that they make are, I mean, it's an, that's enough to keep you around, you know, the, yeah, I mean, that they identify. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, these meetings are saving my life. These mm -hmm. meetings are my lifeline to yeah. a community. These meetings have, like, yeah, I mean, it's 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 really heartwarming, yeah. life-changing stuff. Yeah. We, I mean, we know of several hundred people, I can see the data on this, several hundred people have been to more than 20 meetings. Yeah. Right? right? Like, People are attending. Like, it has made a difference. We see their comments, you know? Yeah. There's people that come to, of course, multiple meetings a day, but people that might come to the same meeting time every day, and they refer to it as their home group or their, like, their commitment. You know, people are committed to this. And then the, you know, creating routines in the app, like you were talking about earlier, the routines can be anything. They don't even have to be, like, traditionally recovery based it can be brushing my teeth it can be walking my dog it can be going to yoga it can be get well going outside going for going for a walk yeah going to therapy going to my mental health appointment yeah. we really whatever. built so, them around the idea of social determinants of health right that there are that there are like if someone who's homeless you can't really expect that they're gonna be able to dig themselves out of that problem with like a decision right that right. you actually need help from your community and you need small steps to like make a move right like mm -hmm. if my if my problem is like I have so many tickets on my driving record that I'm never going to be able to get a job as a pizza delivery guy or whatever like it would be helpful to have someone meet me there and say like what's the first step like let's go, let's go talk to the court or let's go, you know, let's see what we can do one step at a time instead of this assumption of like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, you know, this out. is America, you should here's be, you can do whatever, right? Here's yeah. a piece of paper. Like, it needs help. People need help to move out of those kind of situations. And like, yeah. you can't expect someone who is like, has SUD or a behavioral health problem to like not be experiencing those things when they're in the middle of their life being in crisis, right? Like, I don't think it's fair to expect sobriety or health from someone who is currently living out of doors, right? Or, right. you yeah. know, like that, they're not going to be in, in their best, you know, when all of those, all of those afflictions are, are made worse under stress. Of course. Yeah. And like the first, the most, the first most important thing that we know that a human being needs to be able to make a move toward wellness is to have stable, safe housing. Like yeah. that's the bottom, that's like the foundational factor in being able to launch anything. You have to have a launch pad and that's, that's it. Stable, safe housing and to be in a safe environment and to, and all of that stuff. And people talk about that in the meetings, you know, they talk about, waiting for housing or just getting yeah. housing or yeah. living in sober housing. Yeah, well, we have that whatever. as a routine, like, yeah. right? We have yeah. housing as a routine. We have finances as a recovery routine. We have, yeah. you know, like support meetings, one-on-one -on -one therapy. We have worship activities if you're into that. We have like all these different, it's very much like choose your own adventure, self-determination with a guide, right? I need a Sherpa. So I need a peer support, someone with lived experience to say, not necessarily like, this is what you need to do, but here's what I did in those circumstances. And I found help here. And if you've ever tried doing that, and this is kind of like 
what has helped me and some people I know and what can we do? What do you think you need? What's going to help you the most? Right. And that's, I mean, that's the difference in between peer support and 12-step recovery and like sponsorship, let's say. It's really driven by the person that's, that needs support. It's like, what are your needs? What are your unmet needs right now that I can help you roadmap? You know, I mean, that's, that's all it is. So, so doing the peer support through the app, we message in the app and stuff, but the members can also meet with their peer, you know, plan a call, plan a Zoom call and either just talk or you can, we can create a recovery plan or a wellness plan together and just, you know, determine some very uh, achievable goals together and work towards those and talk and, you know. Like without judgment, without direction, without. And it's, and it's, it's directed by the member. Like, what are the, what do you feel like you need? Like, oh, I should get my license back. Oh, I don't have any, I don't have anywhere to live. And just like, well, what, you know, what steps can, are realistic for you to be able to take this week? And great, let's put that on your recovery plan. Right. Just and you like, can earn make some a phone gift call. cards. Yeah. Make a yeah. phone call and find out how much money I owe or whatever. Right. Right. Or they cannot utilize their peer at all. They can do whatever they want to do. There's no obligation and there's no pressure and there's no expectation on our end. It's just like there's a per- there's a live person there available to you. There's for a live, yeah, a live person available to you. That's that like they're what they want to do. What they're there to do is to help you. But also there's a community. As soon as you want to join, right? You just tap a button and you're a part of a meeting where every, lots of people like you or with history like you yeah. are talking and about. And even there. How in the meetings, living. you don't have to participate. You don't even have to have your no. camera on. Right. You like the level of participation in the meetings is also very not obligatory at yeah, all either, which is really nice. Up to the member how much they want to participate. Which is another thing that's so nice on Zoom, right? If you go to a meeting in person, you can't really hide that easily unless you sit behind a pole or something. But it's but if you want to check out these meetings, you can just log in and not have your camera on and just listen and you're told no one's ever going to call on you without you asking. Everybody raises their hand digitally if they want to share and there's no pressure. It's a real at all. safe safe place. It's a safe place. It is so really safe. Create, what we've created is this like technological safe place for people who are the you know, the phrase that we use at work are recovery curious, right? Like I'm interested in what it might look like, you know, someday in the future, what my, if I take steps towards wellness, what could those be? And I'm, I'm interested that there is a place to go, like, and people to talk to and, um, you know, advice to hear and people that care about you and, a you know, a chat room you can participate in. There is like, as soon as you're ready, we're there for you at whatever level you want to participate. A lot of participants will share and say yeah i've been coming to these meetings for six months and i've never had my camera on and this is the first time i'm sharing uh, and it's just like great welcome yeah, <laughs> we're yeah, glad you're you know awesome. whatever yeah, yeah we're glad you're here in any capacity but sometimes people the first time they log on they share and have their camera on and they're gung-ho and all into it it's just like it happens all different types of ways and there's no right or wrong way to participate on the meetings which i love i mean i love the all recovery idea but what I have been what I have been stressing lately is this is a beautiful community. It's great. It's a great support tool, but it's not a pathway. And I have found for myself that I need some action items and I need some, you know, to really like. Yeah, but you. Really I feel like so. you got to have your kind of like head clear before you can even 
determine that, right? Like, yeah, for sure. And a lot of a lot of people that are new to recovery and come to our meetings first, then they'll also a lot of times talk about like all the different pathways that they're kind of trying on. Like, oh, I went to this kind of meeting today. It was interesting. I went to this other kind of meeting. It was kind of interesting, but I kind of resonated more with this other pathway. But I don't know. I'm still just looking around. And yeah, then everybody right. will talk about their pathway and how they found it and stuff. And it's really, it's just really inclusive and really informational. I'm super proud. I'm super proud to be a part yeah. of what, what it is. It's a big deal. It's, it's a really a big, big deal. deal. And we have a bunch of specialty meetings. We have a women's meeting on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We have a family meeting every single day at 8 o'clock Eastern. We have uh, LGBTQ2 plus meetings on Mondays and Wednesdays. We have pregnant and postpartum meetings. And so if you go to our website, if you go to WeConnectRecovery.com, you can find the list of all the meetings for each day. And... It seems like it's very, like, we're trying to cover all the bases. We're trying to give people spaces that want a more private space or a more, you know, specific demographic. Yeah, and then we're trying to cover the... Yeah, and and more meetings might be added over time, right? Like, yeah. as we learn more about what our population wants, like, we can we can add add different types. Yeah, I think it's really fun. We're talking about adding some some specific like meetings that are available through the app that are going to be all different types of stuff. And I think that's a fun offering too to just have more different stuff available that's non non traditional. You know the product director. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can make a case. You can make a yeah. case for it. I know it's kind of weird in that way because I mean obviously everybody knows that we live together and I don't feel like I really try to implement well maybe I do try to implement what how I want it to be <laughs> no I, don't I know like that you. you're everyone so does though yeah you're so fair and measured and just so like logical and and you know have a plan that you're not going to be easily swayed by my whimsical ranting <laughs> or something you know what I mean like <laughs> we should have a group for hairdressers yeah all right but I mean, but in that way, like, I don't feel like making a big case about anything that's missing, because I don't feel like there really is anything missing. I feel like we do a really good job. I mean, it's so all inclusive. Like even having specialty meetings is kind of just like the icing on the cake, because it is very inclusive. But it's nice that like, we have a lot of ideas for the future, right? Like, what we can add and or change or, you know, pivot. Like, how do we make it better? It's really fun. It's really fun to think about. And we have, like, a three- to five-year vision of, like, how we can use technology to help people detect and plug in, you know? like Yeah, I mean, my job... I mean, who has a job like this? My job is that I chat with people through an app about their what's going on with them, about life, about recovery, about grief, loss, you know, whatever... And I facilitate meetings and just listen to people talk about what's going on in their life. That's yeah. my job. That's yeah. what I do for a job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> From home. From the comfort of my home. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. I mean, I, I go through most days having a thought on these lines of just like, wow, wow, wow. Nicely done. No complaints here. No, no complaints, complaints here. here. I love yeah. it. I love it. I'm real proud of it. I feel like it's, I feel like a ton of potential in it, too. Like, I think it's going to help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It already and has. Everyone, 
everyone that works here is invested in the mission. They want to help the people, the demographic that we are trying to help. It's not people, it's not some startup community that's trying to get rich or that's trying to be famous or trying to get the most whatever. It's people that are like, how can we serve this community? Yeah, made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Right. right. The two co-founders are both in long-term recovery. Me, there's probably like 10 people total that are people in recovery. Mm-hmm. Well, probably even more than that. They're in some version of recovery. Right. Yeah, including the recovery services yeah. team, the peer support right. team, but also the folks that don't identify as being in recovery at this point might as well be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, yeah. you know, they yeah. know so much about it at yeah, this point yeah, yeah. that they understand the as much as you can. And that's what I admire about the people that are in recovery that work at this company, like really making a concerted effort or very heartfelt effort to understand all different aspects of this and community. And like so open-minded about it and so like... Compassionate. Compassionate and willing to like be wrong and to learn and to... It's a hard thing to understand. It's a hard thing to grasp. It's like we have a... Uh, had a coworker that's no longer there, but she would say... Th- ask like the most pointed questions that were so simple that are things that I wouldn't think of because I just already know. Yeah. Like, well, what right. do women do that are that are unhoused? You know, what do they do when they're on their period? It's like, yeah. well, that's a great question. Like, <laughs> that's a great question. I have no idea. <laughs> no one's ever asked but, me that. Yeah, but if they had this app and they were earning gift cards, they could buy... You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, right. wow, there's all... Yeah. There's just so many different levels of mystery. Yes. Yeah. Were you ever unhoused? Yeah. Were you? Did you sleep yeah. in your car? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone's car. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not mine. <laughs> yeah. I only ever spent the night outside like a couple times. Uh-huh. But I definitely did not have my own address for long periods right. of time. Yeah. It's really terrible waking up in a car because, well, a lot of it's so cramped. Yeah, it's terrible. Like, you're usually out of cigarettes. Digging through the ashtray for a cigarette butt was usually the first thing I did. And then just look around, like, where can I go pee? I got to go yeah, pee. Where right. am I? Like, and just trying to hustle, trying to even just get ready for the day, like, to get my hustle on. I had to go, like, to a marina to go in the bathroom to brush my teeth or whatever, if I brushed my teeth that day. And then, you know... It was to even have a car to live in was probably was a, a, seemed like a luxury on on some days. Like I was grateful for that, but it depended. Like you know, if the emergency break, like, whatever. It's just like a whole situation. Yeah, it's, just, yeah, it's yeah. terrible. And now we see so many unhoused. You know, we live in we live in the middle of the city where there's a large unhoused population. Very close. We live you know on the edge of a city park, and so there's a lot of unhoused population in there. And I those, you know, I hope those people. In those situations, I hope they're going to make it here someday. You know, I hope, my hope is that, but it's, it's, I mean, this is a whole conversation that we don't have time to get into, but just like, that's just such a different level of outreach, you know, that, (laughs) do you have a smart, do you have a smartphone when you live in a tent? I mean, I often want to go ask, like, what is your number one biggest need? Mm-hmm. Like, what could I provide for you that would help you the most? A garbage can? Uh, money? Uh, like a fire fire extinguisher? Tampons? Yeah, like, what is it that you Matches. need the most? Yeah, I don't know. Heat? Yeah. Batteries? Yeah, I don't know. 
socks. I was doing, I was at my friend's house yesterday and he was telling me about this trailhead. He's a runner and he does a lot of trail running. And so they, so in their community of people that do this, they often talk about the unsafe places to park at trailheads. And most of them are very unsafe because it's such a high car prowl area because the people are gone for a long time when they've parked there. And so, and he was talking about a friend of his that had his car broken into recently. And I said, who? Like, when I picture a trailhead, I picture him just, like, way out, way out, like, on a highway somewhere. And he told me that one of the trailheads with, that they go to, there's a homeless encampment near. He's like, it's terrible to say. I'm not trying to say anything shitty. But, like, you know, the assumption is that that's the community that breaks into these cars at this trailhead. And he goes, it used to be, like, you wouldn't want to leave your phone charger in your car because people used to break in your car and even just, like, steal your phone charger. But then he was like, but do unhoused people need phone chargers like how, where can, where can they charge their phones and i'm like that's a fucking good question yeah, I mean, i'm sure right. like all of that stuff where do you charge your phone when you live outside and you can't go into a starbucks unless you're buying something or what you know whatever like i don't know like all of these all of these questions of that that existence and that's why it makes me so infuriated internally and sometimes externally when people are so judgmental about that population like do you think that's fucking fun do you think yeah, they're right. fucking enjoying yeah they live in a city park yeah it's on a little lake but do you think that's a pretty luxurious way to live it's 35 degrees out right now yeah everything's wet yeah so i feel i have compassion and i feel like i could do more in regards to that community i just don't know exactly what to do yeah you know give some money here and there volunteer here and there and stuff like that but i i have that syndrome of just like i'm just one little person what can i do i mean we've given you know i mean in our household we've we've like come in our house and gotten coats out of the closet and taken them outside and given them to actual human beings like that's right. happened in our household yeah. at times and stuff and it's always it's always a nice feeling to know that that person is at least going to have a coat or a sleeping bag or whatever for the night i've dug through our you know we dug through our closet like whose sleeping bag is this i don't know well we're giving it away it's going <laughs> <through>. <laughs> yeah. i hope that person doesn't come back looking for their sleeping bag I think I did have a sleeping bag, but you know how often I go camping. <laughs> well, it's gone Never. if it was in that closet. <laughs> we gave it. It's and, in well, a better I thought place. This person, yeah, one time I was, I think I was out walking the dog, and I saw a person on the sidewalk, and I didn't know if they were alive or not. So I came in, I think you were on a call, and I told Jason, like, will you come out here and talk to this person with me? And he did, and he's so good at it. I mean, he does it for work, but he was just like, Hey, Hey bro, are you, are you doing okay? And you know, just start talking to him. And I'm like, okay, now that's the opening line that I'll use next time it happens to me. Like, I just don't know what to say. Yeah. And to be honest, you know, it's that thing of like, of being a woman, you know, I have this inherent fear of walking up to a man. Yeah. Now we're back at the beginning. I'm afraid you of men. <laughs> we're back at the beginning. You have the yellow mustard fear of men. Yeah, I do. And, you know, I decided to just investigate it and release my judgment about it. It's just like the whole racism thing, you know, of just like, okay, I, there's inherent racism that lives inside of me. I'm a white person born in America. It's not my fault. But now I get to... I get to have the luxury of investigating that in myself and shining some light on it and hopefully, you know, educating myself about it and getting getting over it. And maybe this is one of those things, too, you know, of just like, okay, now it's come up. I can admit, like, I don't trust men or I have a fear of men or something like that. 
and just be like, okay, it's well, okay. Well, now it can be like, okay, we admit that it exists. Maybe it'll never go away, but I admit that it exists, and I'm not going to deny it and act like it's not true. I'm going I'm to live with the fact that it's true. And maybe I have a second thought. Maybe I can live with it instead of trying it for it to be different. Exactly, right. Just, just yeah, just to acknowledge my truth and have it be okay. And the privilege, right, that I am, I haven't had to look at my racism because I can choose not to. And I, I haven't, but, but now, like, I refuse to ignore it. That same night when I saw that person on the sidewalk, I was out walking the dog, and I came back and got Jason because I was... It was dark. It was pitch black. So across the street from our house where the park is and the lake, it's very dark at night. There's no lights over there. And a man was walking across the street towards me right when I saw the person who was unhoused. And the whole thing, I just was activated. I was just like, nope. Goodbye. Yeah. So I turned around and came home. That's what happened. And then I told Jason, like, oh, I got scared when I was out there. So I didn't get to the guy. But also, this is what my horse trainer told me the first time I went in the pasture, and she said, how do you feel? I said, to tell you the truth, I feel scared. I have some fear inside me. She goes, great, now we can deal with the truth. Because guess what? The horses already know that when you walked in. So at least you're in reality now, and you're not going to walk around acting like you're not scared, because you're never going to get anywhere if you do that. And I was just like, what the heck? So. That's such an obvious truth once you hear it, but you got to hear it. Someone's got to say that to you for you to, to see it. Well, you have to say the words out loud. Like, I was never willing to, I was too, I, I was too fortified pride, or prideful or whatever to say it because I'm a horse person. I can't admit I'm scared of horses because I love horses and I've been around horses my whole life. So what does that say about me if I'm afraid of them? But what happened was I probably had a traumatic experience with a horse very early on. And somebody told me back then, like, just act like you're not afraid. Walk in the pasture with your chest puffed up and act not afraid. And then the horse will back down, which is exactly the opposite the of the opposite. truth. The opposite. Right. Right. Yeah. So I had been given bad information very early on. And just that became the truth for me. Yeah. Just, I mean, how many times did we hear that about all these other things, right? Just, just act like you're not yeah, afraid. Right. Yeah. If you're getting picked on, just act like you don't care. Just ignore them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just teaching us to, like, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it. Act as if. And then the old chestnut, I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> <laughs> to cap it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder we're all twisted up. Why are you trying to manipulate me by crying? Um, I didn't know I could do that. But now that you mention it, maybe I'll put Will that in work? my back pocket. I'll try yeah. that. Yeah. Will you be nice to me? Well, but also another thing of that's I've experienced so many times in my life, if you do cry in front of a man, they fucking freak out. They fall apart. They 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 panic. And just like, I mean, my dad does. I cried recently, well, not recently, five years ago or something on the phone with him. And he freaked out. I was an adult. I was 45 years old or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe not five years ago. <laughs> and my dad freaked out that I was crying on the phone. And I was like, Dad, I'm, just, I'm frustrated. It's okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he came over to my house and made a big deal out of it. And I'm like, God, no wonder I'm so fucked up. Yeah. No <laughs> wonder it's never been safe to have a feeling around here. Yeah. Or, yeah. like, you know, I've cried at work before, and some, some you know, co-worker has just been like, oh, my gosh, don't cry. Right. It's well, okay. I, I always, like, one of my pet peeves is I do not ha- hand a crying person a tissue. Do not hand a crying person a tissue, especially if you're a dude. Here's just a tip. 
Just a tip for living in 2022. Go into the new world with this tidbit. Don't <laughs> hand a woman a tissue. I know you think it's polite, but what you're telling her is to hide her tears. Oh. To wipe it up. To wipe it up. To stop doing it. To, like, get your shit together. Right? If you want to bring a box of tissues to her and put it on the floor next to her or on a chair uh, next to her or something. Okay. okay. Let her have the option if she wants to take a tissue. That's a that's a better way to handle it. Do not hand a crying woman a tissue. There Give her go. the resource. Yep. Resource herself that she can choose a tissue if she wants. But there's a message attached to that. Which is that you're uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable with well, the crying. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I've I've been meaning to ask you this because I've noticed that that bugs you when we're watching intervention. And I'm like, oh, I wanna I wanna know why this bugs her. And I kept forgetting to ask. So I'm glad that you finally explained it. Now I understand it. I get that. I'm with that. I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Provide, like, give her the choice. But you're, it, it's because, and it's the same thing as, like, when there's, you know, when it's, like, an open period in a meeting for anyone who wants to speak, the person who is most uncomfortable with silence will be the one that speaks. Yeah. Right? So it's, like. This is offensive to you. You're the one who's like, oh, I can't stand the quiet. It's too much quiet. Like, someone's got to fill the space. Well, it's you that has the problem with it. Everyone else was fine with the quiet. You know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe everyone hates it, but. It's funny to watch. I I enjoy watching that period of time. It happens on the online meetings, too, when there's some silence and somebody will pipe up. But it says more about the person than it does about the experience, right? Like, oh, why are you? Why are you having such a hard time watching someone cry? It says more about you than it does about the person crying. Yeah, and even in the silence, we're just we're all still there together. We're holding space. We're just there. It, yeah, that's right. okay. Yeah, it's a co- we're all Quiet collective. Quiet is good. We're in it together. We're just sitting here. It's fine. There's not an emergency. There's no expectation. There's no obligation. Yeah, that's interesting. Silence I love that. is underappreciated. It is, yeah. We're just trained to always, always be doing, and always be doing, always be doing, and there's no just being. Yeah, and at some point, men thought it was the polite thing to do to hand a woman a tissue, but there's a there's messaging attached to that that I think is not helpful. Mm-hmm. Stop, stop crying. You're making me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Blow your nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's mm-hmm. a gem. I'm I'm going to write that down. <laughs> yeah, don't ever do it. <laughs> well, if you do it, like know that I'm going to talk shit about it. Well, I'm going to do it, but I mean, I don't I've I've never been the type of person who buys a box of Kleenex or whatever anyway, so I'll just but you have yeah, if I if I am in a situation where someone's crying, there's a box of Kleenex near me, it's too far away for them. I I will move the move box it closer. towards them. Yeah, move it closer. I will do that. I don't know. I don't know that I've ever handed anyone a also, tissue. Also, this same works for a, ma- a man crying. If a man is crying, don't hand him a tissue. Give him agency to select a tissue if he wants, but don't <laughs> tell him to shut up. Let him metabolize it. Especially if it's a man crying. It's a, such a precious, precious, sacred thing for a man to cry. Like, yeah. do not stifle that. To feel as safe. Carolyn yeah. ta- as Carolyn taught me, there are chemicals that are only released in tears. Mm-hmm. So don't ever stifle someone's tears. Let's let everyone select 
their own tissue. Let's resource people instead of stifling them. That's and again, that's what peer that's what peer support is. It's like I'm here to help you advocate for yourself, to help you utilize the resources that I can help you find or give to you. I can give you resources and I can help you figure out how to advocate for yourself, but I'm not gonna do it for you. I'll do it with you, I'll do it in conjunction with you. And that's the only there's the only setback of it's not even really a setback, but the only disadvantage of doing this all remotely and all online is that peer support traditionally has been an in-person situation where you meet the person in the community. You might go to an appointment with them. You might go to a court appointment with them. They come in and they talk with you face-to-face and you form a relationship in that way. And so the so we're still forming relationships. I think the relationship still gets formed, but the only piece that's missing is really the in-person piece of like, yeah, because people are afraid to or people are apprehensive about going to a custody hearing by themselves or going to a a scary doctor's appointment to a mental health appointment or something like that. And just to have someone to accompany you on those things is really nice to have, which I did. Who knows what the future is? Maybe we can do that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as COVID starts to change and stuff, but I did have the opportunity to, to do that in the, at the company that I was working with when I was doing peer or I was doing sober, we called it sober mentoring. And I got to go with that person in person to appointments and to meetings and to go for walks and walk the dog and stuff. And it was really, it was really fulfilling and, and it was really fun. It's a fun thing to do. All right. Well, well, we did it. We did it. What number is this? Did you say 18, 17? I believe it's 18. Oh my gosh. That is so fun. Yeah. We're doing 18 of a thing. 18 of a thing. It's probably maybe like 20 hours of us talking. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> I think I'm I'm excited about what the podcast is going to how it's going to change and evolve in the new year and some of the new ideas we have and some of the interesting directions we can go with it and I think it's going to continue to be a fun thing to do for us and there's so much ground to cover always and we can get into some more storytelling, get into some more guests and just continue down the path of being a human being on this planet at this time. In search of wholeness and health and wellness and happiness and joy. Peace. Yeah. Peace, prosperity, contentment, and fulfilling our life's purpose somehow, perhaps dog walking posting pictures of my dog basically yeah. is what i do let's go see let's go see him let's go see the dog let's go see if he's i don't know maybe in the kitchen <laughs> <I'm sure>. <laughs> <laughs> all right I'll, I'll see, see you there, there.